0: the song, it's called It's Been a Long Time, and it definitely has been a long time, but I am back, the show is back, and it's time to get rolling with the MLS season about to kick off. This is the SBI Show, hello everybody, I'm Ivis Colarsep, and I know a lot of you that are listening right now probably thought you'd never hear the sbi show again but it's back i said i would bring it back i know it took longer a lot longer than 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 some of you probably expected a lot longer than i wanted it to take but it is back i'm back and we're ready to get it going again i'm promising this is not just going to be a hiccup this is not just going to be a one or two show bump we are going to keep this thing rolling going forward into the summer and see how long we can how long we can take and if we can get it through the year uh just to get things back i definitely miss doing the show I gotta say, I miss my boy Garrett Cleverly. He is not back, unfortunately. He's doing his thing. We'll probably have him at some point on uh, just to catch up with him and, and let every, everyone know what he's up to. For those of you wondering what he's been up to, uh, but for now, for this first episode, we're gonna do we, for this comeback. We're gonna do two episodes uh, breaking down the upcoming MLS season. This this episode, the comeback episode, we're gonna we're gonna preview the Eastern Conference. I'm going to preview the Eastern Conference by myself. And then the next episode, which will be dropping the same day, uh, I'll be previewing the Western Conference with my boy Paul Tenorio, a four-four-two. Going to be obviously coming on uh, on the show on a regular. He, he came on last year. You know, we had a good thing going there. But I'll be bringing on different people throughout the the run of the show. Um, whether it's you know SBI staff members like my man Ryan Tolmich, the managing editor for SBI, and other, other journalists. I'm not going to make it just journalists. Obviously, we're going to have guests as well. Uh, we're going to have, uh, whether it's players or coaches, just like we had before. But, of course, we have to get it rolling, get everyone back to being used to having the show around. And I have to definitely get into the routine of putting the show together. I've definitely worked on, been working on that, uh, so we can get this going and have this be something that you can count on. And I know there's obviously a lot of shows that have come and gone. Uh, I've definitely been hearing from from former listeners who, who've asked me when the show's coming back because they want they they need a show. They want a show. There's not enough good ones out there. Apparently, hopefully we can this we can hopefully I can make this a good one again. And uh, that's what we're going to try to do today. This first episode back, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. We're also going to talk about the U.S. Under 20 national team the CONCACAF Champions League, and also just MLS transactions that have gone on during the week. We'll save the Eastern Conference for later. For now, I want to kick things off talking about the U.S. under-20 national team and the tournament that they've put together. They've basically got a foot in the door into the World Cup now after an impressive victory over Mexico on Monday. They beat Mexico 1-0, and it, it was just a really impressive victory for them. The way they played, they really outplayed Mexico, and they really took Mexico out of their game. This is a Mexico team that coming into that match hadn't been scored on had been rolling through the competition and they definitely came in i think a little overconfident and the US shut them down and you have to give credit to Ty Ramos and his team because anyone who saw them in their opener against Panama you probably thought oh this team i don't know how good this team is uh you know they lost their first game to a 10 man Panama team and they didn't show they didn't show much in that game and then uh, so when you watch that first game you're thinking uh, is this going to be another uh, surprising early exit, like we've seen U.S. youth teams do in the past. Uh, but this team turned it around. They 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 won the games they needed to win to get out of the group, the first group. Then they played Mexico and they just beat Mexico. They just they just took them out of their game. They just didn't let them do anything, and it was really impressive to see uh to see some of the performances that we saw. Uh, Eric Palmer Brown was excellent. Tyler Adams was excellent coming back from the injury. I know people weren't expecting him to come back from from the injury he suffered against Panama, but you can see why the New York Red Bulls are so high on him. Uh, and it's great It's funny to think how long it's been since we had the SBI show. We we haven't had a show since the Dax McCarty trade. Uh, but again, it's been so many, it's been so long since the last SBI show. I can't get in everything that's happened between. Then back in September and now in this show, so we'll try to keep it focused on the things that have happened recently. U.S. under twenties, very impressive, and let's not forget. Now I know some people look at the U.S. under twenties and think, you know, their attack hasn't really, really been that impressive. Brooks Lennon's done well, but you know, there's something missing there. And I tell you what, yes, there's something missing there. They're missing quite a few players who would be on this team if they, if, if teams, if they had been released from their clubs to play in this tournament. Uh, you know, when you're talking about players like Gideon Zilalem, uh Josh Perez, uh, and obviously Christian Pulisic is eligible, age eligible, but obviously he's got bigger things going on now uh, playing in the Bundesliga with Borussia Dortmund and playing with the senior national team. So uh, even with the U.S. going to the Under-20 World Cup, I don't think anyone should hold their breath on Christian Pulisic playing in the Under-20 World Cup. You know, he's, he has World Cup qualifying to worry about. He has the goal, it, it, and if you even if you weren't going to play in in the qualifiers in the summer, you have the Gold Cup as well. So he he's busy. He's going to be busy, but still, uh, it's Gideon Zalalem, Josh Perez, Nick Taitagwe, uh, Haji Wright, Uh there, there are quite a few attacking players that that could have made a different Weston McKinney. I mean, these are all players who would have been on this team, and I think you're going to see quite a few of those guys on the team that plays in the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, right now, the U.S. is they aren't formally in to the World Cup yet, but it's essentially a done deal because they beat Mexico, and then Mexico turned around and demolished El Salvador. So the only way the U.S. doesn't go to the World Cup at this point is if they get blown away by, I think, six or more goals or seven or some crazy number uh, against El Salvador, and that's just not going to happen. Uh, this U.S. defense is very tough, uh, very stingy when you look at uh, Eric Palmer Brown playing defensive midfield Justin Glad and 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 uh, Tommy Redding in central defense. That's a very very solid defense. Uh, I don't see them giving up more than one goal to El Salvador, let alone six or seven. So the U.S. are going to go through. Uh, and you have to give some credit to Ty Ramos because I know there were a lot of people calling for his head after the loss to Panama. And I think people just you know they it wasn't a great game by by any by any means. You can't defend it. It wasn't a, it was it was a bad bad game. By the U.S., But the way they responded, you have to give them credit, and you have to give Ty, Ty Ramos some credit for, for getting them to kind of circle the wagons and finish the tournament strong after that terrible start. Uh, moving on now, we have the CONCACAF Champions League, and Thursday night, Vancouver Whitecaps knocking off the New York Red Bulls with the impressive 2-0 victory, and I'll tell you what, the Red Bulls over two legs... They just, they just, especially in the second leg, they just lacked sharpness, and they lacked some sharpness in the first leg as well. But I think they showed a lot more in the first leg at the at Red Bull Arena. But they didn't, they didn't, that didn't turn into goals for them. The second leg, they just looked really out of sorts. And, and Vancouver, credit to the Whitecaps. Whitecaps took it to them. The Whitecaps could definitely have scored even more goals. I think you know Laris Robles had an outstanding save in the first half, but they just. The Red Bulls just are not sharp yet, and it's it's, it's essentially preseason for them. So I'm not going to knock them too much. And I know some people say, "Well, wait a minute, is Vancouver's preseason as well?" But you know, I think the Red Bulls are a team. They're kind of a team that needs to to really for their rhythm and the way they play, the style of play that they play. They're not. They're a team that needs to get sharp. They need they need the games to get sharp. Uh, and I think you know if this if this game had taken place you know in June, if these games had taken place in June. I think the Red Bulls would have uh, had a better accounting of themselves, but no, not to take anything away from the White Caps, they did a really good job, especially considering the players that they were missing. They were missing a handful of important players. Credit to Carl Robinson and credit to the young players on that team. When you talk about Kakuta Mane scoring in the first leg, Afonso Davy scoring in the second leg, the rookie Jake Nowinski doing his thing, starting it right back in both games for the White Caps. He's he's looking like he's got a promising future ahead of him. Uh, and then Freddie Montero, the newly acquired. Former Seattle Sounder scoring a, a big goal for for his new team, and I tell you what, between him and Breck Shea, that's a couple of uh, a couple of good pickups for Vancouver, and they're looking like a team that could actually uh, take a step forward in 2017 uh, based on that performance. As far as the Red Bulls go. Uh, it's back to the drawing board for them. Another disappointing performance. As I said on Twitter, they probably hate Canada at this point. I mean, after after losing to Montreal in the playoffs uh, last year, and now you lose to Vancouver in the CONCAP Champions League, I mean, Jesse Marsh has got to be hating hating Canada right now. But look, don't write off the Red Bulls. Uh, Obviously, they're still not sharp, but I think they'll be fine. I think they'll still be a good team. I think they're going to take a slight step back. But again, they still have money to spend. They still have... Uh, at least I think one impact player they can go pick up, or one uh, player that they can spend a significant amount of money on. Um, so if you consider that, that's and and also consider the fact that Tyler Adams isn't with them right now. And I think Tyler Adams, the uh, on the US under twenty, I think he is going to be a big factor for them this year. I know everyone's talking. It's, I know the competition is between him and Sean Davis, uh, but I tell you what, Tyler Adams is going to be real tough to keep off the field. I think he's that good a player, even though he's only eighteen. The kid has some serious talent, and I think we're going to see him before long. Uh, but, yeah, don't write off the Red Bulls. I think I think they'll be fine. I think Jesse Marsh's team will still be uh, a very, very good team he- heading into the new season. Uh, moving on now, we'll get into a little bit of uh, MLS news and notes. Some developments that were by no means surprising, but still, when you kind of take a step back, you're like, whoa, these guys don't have jobs at this point. Uh, Jack McInerney let go by the Portland Timbers. Mixed Discarude. Uh, let go by NYCFC who bought out his contract and now he's in some sort of weird limbo where uh, NYCFC can't trade him and right now MLS doesn't have a mechanism for him to, move, to be moved but look it's MLS we know they make the rules up as they go along we know they'll figure out a way to make uh, make some kind of mechanism for him to go to another team in MLS if he wants to go and that's the big question mark does mixed-disc want to stay in MLS? Uh, and you don't get the sense that he wants to have – he doesn't want to stay in MLS unless he can still live in New York. And, uh, you know, other than the Red Bulls, which I don't see wanting him, or the Philadelphia Union, who I don't see spending the money it would take to get him. You know, I don't know where is he wheres he going to go, right? So I think for me, I can see him going to Scandinavia, uh, maybe going on loan, going to Norway or some, going back to Norway uh, or something like that. I could see that happening for sure. Uh, it's disappointing. I think he's a good player, right? I think in a right in the right system for the right coach, he can definitely give you something give you something. but I think he at the end of the day, he priced himself out with the contract that he signed with NYcFC and you and, you, and if you want to kind of uh, heap some criticism at anybody, it's NYcFC for that contract that they gave him. They definitely. Overpaid, and then they locked him into this contract where they had, you know, essentially gave him a no-trade clause where they promised they wouldn't trade him. It was it was a little absurd, you know. They, they and and they end up paying the price, and MLS is paying the price now because he's still under salary. He's still getting paid by MLS. Uh, as far as McInerney goes, it's another case of a big salary, bigger salary for a player who wasn't necessarily projected to start. So if you're Philadelphia- if you're Portland, you weren't just you just weren't going to spend the money to keep him around. They tried to shop him. But the market looks a little dry on him, and I'm a little surprised by that. Obviously, the money is one thing, but if you can get a McInerney at a discount, I think he's someone who can definitely help you as a forward off the bench. Is he necessarily a starter at this point? So That's a bit of a question mark, but uh, he's someone who can help you. And I have to think someone's going to take a chance on him at some point. Obviously, he's going to have to take a pay cut, but I still think that he's young enough and talented enough. I know some people wonder, well, hey, what about Atlanta? I mean, is it Atlanta product? Will Atlanta United Take a look, kick the tires on that. Uh, I, but from what I understand, talking to the sources that I have down there, I, uh, you know, they've never been high on on him. They have their they have their reasons, but I don't get the sense that Atlanta will take a flyer on him. I think it'd be a great story if they did, but I think they, you know, they've clearly spent millions of dollars on their on their forwards, so forward isn't a big need right now for Atlanta United. But now we're gonna preview the MLS Eastern Conference. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give you the rundown of all eleven teams, uh, just to give you a kind of sense of how I see them breaking down in 2017. And of course, I always have to throw the caveat out there: things change during a season. Whether it's big injuries, big signings, as I just said about the Red Bulls, they have the money to go add a player, a significant player, and they probably will do that. So, how do you kind of, you know, factor that in as well? Uh, it's hard to do because you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. But these are my Predictions or my predicted standings or my predicted outcome for the standings for 2017, and we'll start off at the bottom at number 11. And I'm gonna go at Orlando City, and I know folks in Orlando are not gonna be happy to hear that because you know they have the new stadium, you know Kaká's back. They still have Laren, Jason crisis in his first full season. You know he's a he's a coach who's done really well in the league. I'm just not sold on the moves that they've made this off season. Uh, doing enough to solidify them defensively. And I know, look, Jonathan Spector's good, good player. Uh, Will Johnson's an excellent player. But uh, I I don't know. I just just am not sold on them defensively. I'm still not sold on them defensively. And now a big issue for them is they traded away Kevin Molino. And they still haven't replaced what they lost when they traded away Kevin Molino. And until they do that, I mean, then all of a sudden, maybe offense is going to be a question mark for them. I mean, they still have Kaká. They still have Kyle Aaron. They still have uh, you know, Matias Perez-Garcia, who, who was a nice pickup for them last year, who really fit in well for Jason Kreiss' system. But they need to go get someone to replace what Molino brought to the table. And it's not easy going on the international market and finding a player of that caliber. We all know they got a pile of allocation money for Kevin Molino, uh, but they still have to actually spend that on a replacement. And I know some people are going to look at that trade and say, well, why did they trade him? They traded him because, you know, he pretty much let it be known he didn't want to be there. He wanted a significant pay raise that they just, you know, they ultimately decided that they couldn't afford. um, And they had to make a really tough decision there. Do you keep an unhappy Molino or do you deal him and try to get as much as you can in return? And that's what they did. They made the big trade with Minnesota United and they got a pile of allocation money. Now they have to go spend that money. They have to go find an impact, uh, you know, a, a, a real... Difference-making attacking player, and that's not easy to do at this point in the year. So, do they might they have to wait till the summer to add that player? It's entirely possible, and for that reason, I think I think they're going to struggle. I think I think I have them at the bottom. I have them eleventh in the East, number ten in the Eastern Conference. I have the Chicago Fire, and I know, folks, I get it. They've improved their team. Some of the pickups they've made, uh, the big forward Nikolic. The Juninho and Dax McCarty in midfield, uh, they should be better. And I think they will be better. But have they done enough to kind of leapfrog some of these other teams that are in the Eastern Conference? I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I look at the rundown of the the teams that are in the Eastern Conference, and I just like the other teams ahead of them. So that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. So, you know, you take it for what it's worth. But I do think Chicago should be better. With that Janino and Dax McCarty tandem, I mean, come on, uh, that that's that's you know two proven players in MLS. Uh, I, I you know that's that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. But uh, I still have questions about their defense, uh, their midfield. So I, I, I'm still not sold on them. I'm still not sold on them. And and you know I think it could be another long year. And I will tell you what, they better turn. If you're if if you're Velko Panovic and if you're Nelson uh, Rodriguez, I mean. They got to be feeling the heat because if it, if things don't turn around this year, I don't see I – I mean, they can't get in an, uh, beyond a second year. Two years is generally what you get, and if results don't show, changes happen. And we know the Chicago Fire are not afraid to make changes. So if they struggle, if they get off to a bad start, if we're sitting here in the summer and the Fire are bad, the Fire are just not looking good even with these signings, then there's going to be some questions, and then, you know, maybe Andrew Houtman looks, starts looking at Volko Panovic and says, hmm, you know what, we might need to make a change there. Having said that, with the changes they've made, they should be better, and it's going to be up to Panovic to make them, not just make them better, but make them a team that's going to be able to leapfrog some of these other teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm not so sure about that happening, but we'll see. Next on my list at number eight. Actually, what are we at? No, no, I'm sorry, number nine. I'm going to surprise some people. Maybe not to completely because this won't be the first time that that I uh, you know, undervalued this team or picked this team lower than most. And I'm going to go with DC United. I'm going to go with DC United. And look, this is not a knock on them so much as I just think they kind of stood pat a bit compared to what some other teams did. I know they showed really well at the end of last year um, in the regular season. But I don't know. I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on... On that group, and you know, if you could tell me that we're going to have Bill Hamid for the for for the duration and that he was going to stay healthy, I'd feel a lot more confident about him. But based on what's happened with him the last couple of years, it's kind of a crapshoot right now as far as him staying healthy. Um, you know, their attack is still for me a bit inconsistent. I know Luciano Costa showed some good things in, in his first year, but uh, I don't know. I he he does. I, I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on them. Being consistent i think i think they take a step back i think they take a step back this year before they go into their new stadium next year uh so i i couple i apologize these united fans i know i've done this before uh with these united and and i feel like it's becoming a trend but you know it, i don't know i feel like this this offseason i just wasn't impressed with what they did and i think some other teams just did more uh to move ahead of them so that's what it comes down with DC now look could things go their way could Patrick Mullins become a 15-20 goal guy could Ian Harks be a rookie of the year I know there's people talking about that I don't personally see that happening I don't I really don't um but we'll see I mean that's what it's gonna take for that team to take another to take a step beyond what they did last year right I mean I, that's so that's for me that's that's why I'm, I have my doubts about about them and up next on the list of Eastern Conference teams New England Revolution. And, you know, there's some question marks in New England as well. Obviously, they, they have their new center back tandem. They have uh, their designated player uh, who was injured last year, I believe it tore his ACL last year, uh, Kwasi. Uh, he's a real important player for them. If, if, those, if those new players pan out, if their central defense uh, turns into kind of a rock-solid group there, then yeah, I I like New England, but you know, it's not a, it's a little, they're unproven, they're unproven, you know, we don't know how good these guys are going to be, and for all the talent in their attack, they're a little inconsistent, they're a little inconsistent, uh, even with the Lee Win, Kamara, Agudelo, Kellen Rowe, Uh, I mean, that's, you're talking about uh, Diego Fagundes, I mean, the, the talent's there, no one can deny that in the attack, but the consistency hasn't always been there, so I want to see that. I want to see that consistency. I want to see Juan Aguadelo really break through and have a monster year. And that's what they're going to need if they're going to take that step up to get into the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they need the defense to solidify itself. But their attack needs to be a little bit more consistent uh, to kind of match up with what they have on paper. Because when you look at their, their attacking players on paper, I mean, they should be. I mean, that's a playoff team when you just look at that. But... We'll see what they can do for Jay Heaps, which is on what should be a big year for him. I, th- I think uh, I think he needs to tur- I think he needs to get the job done and get them in the playoffs this year. Um, moving on now, uh, two, four, six, seven, the number seven team, and a team that's become a popular pick by people as a playoff team for 2017 is Atlanta United. And no, I do not have them in the playoffs based on these projections, but I think they're going to be right there. I think they're going to be knocking on the door. I think they're going to have their struggles in the first half of the season. But I think by you get into the middle, midpoint of the season forward, I think that's when they're really going to make, they're really going to hit their stride. Uh, And obviously, with the the new coach, with the coach that they have, uh, Gerardo Martino, Tata Martino, uh, he's new to MLS, but he's an excellent manager. Uh, Hard to argue with his resume. Former coach of Argentina, former coach of Barcelona. So we're talking about a high level guy. uh, And you'd like to think that, you know what, when it comes down to it, he knows the game. He knows what he wants from these players. He knows the system that he wants to play. And when you look at the high-level signings that they made, especially in the attack, uh, when you want to talk about Villalba, Almirón, Joseph Martinez, I mean, they they are stacked. Kenwin Jones, I mean, they are they're stacked. They're stacking the attack. Question is the defense. Is that defense going to come together? Obviously, you go sign a Michael Parkhurst, a proven MLS defender. Uh, but I still have my question marks. We know Miles Robinson, their pick, the number, the the. the Was he the number two overall pick? Yes, the number two overall pick. Uh, A kid who I think, I think Miles Robinson's going to be a, uh, he could be a national team player down the road. Uh, But he's still young, he's still raw, he still has room to develop. Uh, But I think it's going to be fun to watch down the road. But for this year, I have my doubts about Atlanta's defense, at least starting out. Will it come together later? Possibly. But I think that first half, the struggles in the first half of the season are going to probably be at the end of the day what keep them out. Of the playoffs, uh, moving on. Number six, the Columbus Crew, and here's an interesting team, right? So, last year, uh, I know I didn't expect them to ha- have this kind of fall from grace, I didn't see them just completely falling off the map, but that's pretty much what happened to them. They went from MLS Cup finalists to in you know, a team that I picked to win the supporters' shield last year, uh, they just completely fell apart. Uh, they, you know, they st- they weren't. And the thing is, they weren't that necessarily that bad in a lot of these games. But you know, they they just they they weren't. Sh- they couldn't close the deal enough. And you know, there's definitely talk about them being a soft team, easy an easy team to play against. And they had their injuries. Let's let's be let's be clear. Uh, obviously, they they lost Gaston sorrow uh, again, uh, and they never quite replaced him. Uh, and then you have Federico Aguine get hurt. Uh, that, uh, that, that didn't help them at all. And I don't know. Something, it, w- it was weird. It was weird with them, but they've bolstered their defense. Jonathan Mensah, the Ghanaian is a very good player. They in the, went in the draft and got another player that I like in Lalas, Abu Uh, you know, when you look at that defense now, I think their defense could actually be a pretty, pretty tough unit. So if that defense comes together, like you think it can, then yes, they're absolutely a playoff team. Are they a top two, top three team? in the east i don't see that but i definitely see them getting into the playoffs now if their defense doesn't come together then that opens the door for some of these other teams for in atlanta uh for new england for dc uh but for right now I, I do think they have some pieces there defensively and uh, hey don't forget the homegrown player alex Krognali, uh he's another one uh the talented the talented center back uh, that played at maryland he's he's another one to watch as well so uh, Columbus Crew, I think they are going to bounce back a bit. Not all the way back to MLS Cup Final, but I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, and now we're on to number five, the Montreal Impact. And they're a team that, you know, really put it together in the playoffs. Uh, You're know, Knocking off DC, knocking off the Red Bulls. Uh, you know, obviously they met their match with, against Toronto FC. They're, they're an intriguing one, right? I mean they bring pretty much all their all their guys back. They don't Drogba's gone, but they had already moved on from Drogba last year. They were a be, they were a better team without Drogba on the field last year. But I don't know, for me something I just I just think I don't know. I think they take a step back this year. Obviously they rely a lot on Ignacio Piatti. Nacho Piatti was one of the best players in the league last year, no question. Uh but they're going to need him to carry carry quite a bit of the load. I know M- Mankosu the striker did well for them. Uh, last year, and he, you know, he should do well again this year. But I don't know. There's something about Montreal, just the moves that they made. Uh, the, I'm, I'm still feeling like uh, what we saw from them in the regular season is pretty much what we're going to see again. And look, they got hot at the end of the year, and that's what people remember. But I don't know if that's necessarily, if that's a, if that's a reasonable uh, rating of what they really are going to be for an entire season. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that. I don't. I don't see it. So I think they still are like in the five six range, but I don't see them going beyond that. I really don't. Uh, I think that's what they're going to fall. They're, so they're still kind of a wild card team. Uh, maybe they can get hot in the playoffs, but I, I don't see that magic striking twice for them. Next up is at number four, a team that I really like, uh, a team that I think is going to surprise uh, surprising people this year is the Philadelphia union. And I, and I, and, and I, and I, anyone who's listened to the show over the years, I think I do this every year. I think every year I like the union and I'll be full, you know, I'll be the first, I, I totally confess. I feel like I, I even I have caught on to this trend, but I tell you what, as much as I have liked the union in past years, I don't think I've liked them as much as I liked them this year in terms of the team that they have, the signings that they made. I think this is as talented a team as they've ever had. And I know, hey, you could be like, oh, that's not saying much. But I really think that with, with the group that they bring back, and now you have an Alejandro Bedoya from the beginning of the season. Uh, now you have that rookie class of of Rosenberry, Herbers, and Yarrow with a season under their belt. I know Yarrow's injured, and he's going to be out for a while. But still, those guys will be back. Uh, they're going to be better. Andre Blake's going to be better. He's a year more mature uh, and then some of the pickups that they that they they made in 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 the winter uh, helped address some needs as well so I, I I like the union man I like the I think their ceiling is 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 a little lower obviously than, than some of the big contenders but I think they're a team that can get into that top four get that home playoff match and poten- and potentially you know what get into the conference semifinals where you know they can just kind of get that experience to, to keep kind of moving forward. And if you're the union, that's what you want. You want to keep making steady progress. You don't want to miss the playoffs. You don't want to have another first round exit because then it's kind of you're kind of stagnating. Uh and and, and I don't I don't see that happening. I think with the play with the players that they have, uh they're gonna be all right. And how about Oguchi Onyewu is back? Oguch, the Gooch is back, and he's actually gonna probably play an important role for them, especially now that Joshua Yaru's hurt. Uh they're gonna miss him for a few months, and I think that's gonna be an opportunity for Onyewu to step in there. We'll see what he what he's got left. He's been out for a while. Uh, I thought he was going to retire. I mean, the word the word making the rounds a year ago was that he was going to retire, but he's still here. He's playing, and uh, I mean, I'm hearing good things about him. How, how he looks in the pre- how he looked in the preseason for the Union. It sounds like he's doing well. So uh, we'll see what he does uh, now that he is in MLS for the first time. He actually hasn't played in MLS before. Uh, for anyone that kind of was thinking, mm, did he play in MLS? No, he did not. He spent his career. He went from Clemson straight to Europe, and then stayed in Europe up until now. Obviously, he tried he he tried out. Uh, he went on, he was on a trial with NYCFC and was probably going to sign with them uh, before. From what I understand, he ruptured his Achilles, and that set him back another year. Uh, so, but now he's going to play in MLS, and we'll see what he can do. We'll see what he has left. Now we're down to the last three, the top three in the Eastern Conference. We have number three. New York Red Bulls. And I know some people have them as the top team in the East. Some teams have them at number two. I'm going to put them at number three. And it's just because, uh, you know, now we saw these first couple of games. Uh, and and I, I think they're going to miss Dax McCarty. I really do. I think they're going to miss him. And I know they have some talented young players coming up in Sean, in Sean Davis and Tyler Adams. But I think at least this year... Definitely, at the beginning part of the year, they're gonna they're gonna miss they're gonna miss X McCarty. They really are, uh, and and I think we already saw that because uh, again in the series against Vancouver, I think you could definitely I feel like they missed him in that series. And not only that, they missed him, but they they where was Felipe in this series? I, Felipe was kind of non-existent. This is a big year for Felipe. Let me tell you, folks, because really what it came down to, the Red Bulls had to make a decision. Who they were gonna move on? Who they were gonna deal? Were they gonna deal Felipe? Were they were they gonna deal Dax McCarty? My understanding is that that this that decision is one of was kind of one of the turning points in the power struggle between Ali Curtis and Jesse Marsh, which obviously Jesse Marsh won. Ali Curtis was given the boot, uh, and now Felipe, you know what? You wanted to be the man. You want to be the top dog. Now you got to prove it. Now you got to play. At a high level on a consistent basis, and he's not off to a great start. I got to tell you, because he did he did not bring it in the Concacaf Champions League. If he doesn't play at a really high level, I think the Rebels are gonna, you know, they, I think they're they they could be in a little bit of trouble because they need they need him to they need him to step up. So we'll see how they do. As far as the Rebels uh, finishing up on the Red Bulls, it's not just a question of Dax McCarty. Jesse Marsh is is, is tinkering with changing their system, their formation, going away from the one forward. Trying to partner Bradley Ray Phillips with, with another forward, whether it's Gonzalo Verón, whether it's playing Sasha Kleschen up higher, uh pl- or pl- playing more of a 4-4-2 than instead of the four uh four, two, three, one. So that that's for me, uh there, there's some questions about how they're gonna adapt to that. And also defensively, uh you have a, a bit of an inexperienced player in, in Aaron Long, who you're hearing you know, we're, we're hearing great things about Jesse Marsh can't stop raving about him. And, I, you know, he held his own in these two games against Vancouver. He did not do badly. So at least the early signs on him are pretty good. So we'll see if he can maintain that. But i tell you what, the Red Bulls, as constituted right now, I don't see them as a title contender. But, again, as I noted before, they have money to go make another signing at some point, whether it's now in this window or in the summer. And I think once we see what they do with that, with that money, then we'll have a better sense of are they going to, really make a threat, really really make a push for that MLS Cup that has so uh, so far eluded them. So moving on to the number two team on my board for the Eastern Conference, New York City FC, uh, a team that while they didn't necessarily address their defensive issues, I, I still like the moves that they made because they are, their attack is so good and is going to be so good with some of these pickups that they made. Uh, with Maxi Morales and Rodney Wallace, uh, and also with, look Yangel Herrera in the midfield, the young, uh, the young Venezuelan. He's a very talented player. Man City obviously, you know, paid I believe three million for him. I uh, could be wrong on that number, but they paid they paid multi a, a multi billion dollar transfer uh, to 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 bring him over and then loan him to New York City FC. I think he can help uh, replace Anthony Araola, who was a big loss. He retired for those of you who missed out on that. Uh, defensively. Are they good enough? Are they good enough defensively? That's that's the big question. And I I would say they're not going to have one of the best defenses in the league. They're just not. But I think they can be adequate defensively. And I think they've upgraded the goalkeeper position. I think Sean Johnson is better than Josh Saunders. I do wonder about Sean Johnson in that system when you want to talk about playing out of the back. And, and and, and it, you know, Sean Johnson's not the most technically savvy in terms of footwork, that so that's a question mark. That's a, definitely a question mark for them. Um, but I mean, when you look at that attack, David Villa, uh, Maxi Morales, Ronnie Wallace, Jack Harrison, Tommy McNamara, Kyrie Shelton, Jonathan Lewis, the rookie and U.S. Under twenty national team player. I mean, he's got something. He's got some qualities that he could definitely make a make a difference for them this year. So the 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 there. And I did I and I don't even I didn't even mention Andrea Pirlo. Come on. So with all that firepower, I really like them. I really like them, and they could absolutely they could win the whole thing. And I know some people say, "Oh, that's crazy. There's no way." But you know what? They can. Um, but again, it's the defense that's still the question mark. That defense. It's hard to look at that defense and say, "Okay, yes, they're definitely winning the whole thing." Uh, not with not with some of the other teams that are competing, uh, that are among the the when you want to talk about the the short list the short short list like the top 3 teams that are contenders i mean you know those teams have really strong defenses so i think that's what separates them and number 1 on my on my list eastern conference team going into 2017 i think most people agree on this it's it's toronto fc right toronto fc a team that was playing some of the best you know best soccer in the league in the playoffs right up until the final it didn't work it didn't happen for them in the final but i still think they you know they gained momentum through last year and i think it's going to carry over i think they gained some confidence as a group uh, the fact that they were able to kind of rejuvenate the fan base in toronto i think that's huge uh, that stadium is so that that i mean the, the the improvements and upgrades made to bmo field are truly truly impressive and now that the fans are interested again in the in toronto fc i mean that's going to become an even tougher place to play but yeah, any conversation about TFC has to start with Javinko. Sebastian Javinko is on a mission. I'll tell you what, folks. The guy definitely was not happy with being snubbed in the MVP conversation. The fact that he didn't make it, even make it as a, in, into the final three, into the three finalists for MVP. I'm sure that burns him. That burns him and bothers him. Which is great. Whatever motivates you is fine. And I think he's a guy who could absolutely eat up uh, MLS defenses again this year. And I think he's gonna have. I think he's gonna have an MVP type season. So uh, you have him. You have Josie Altador, who if he can stay healthy, he showed last year what he can do, and he can be a dominant best eleven caliber striker uh, when he's on his game. So uh, TFC top to bottom, you like. Uh, I mean, it, what's not to like about this team? Um, I, I mean, I have. They're my pick. They're my pick, Not to like give it away because we're we're gonna do our pred- uh, predictions on the next episode. Uh, but I tell you what I really like TFC and I really like Greg Vanny as a coach i think he i think I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for the job that he did last year uh especially a team that was missing players in the summer uh, back when josie was injured uh and you know they had to deal with Jovinko being injured t- toward the end of the year and some of the moves that he made not only playing some younger players who played well but also playing different systems uh you know whether it's three in the back or four in the back Four four two four three three. Like he was not afraid to try things, and and experiment, and really kind of give his team the confidence to play in multiple systems. And I think that's going to carry over this year. I think that's and now with some of the signings that they made, the depth that they have, they can place in in a variety of ways. And that's why they're a team. I think that's just going to be tough to match up with. And I think for that reason, based on the experience that they gained last year in the playoffs. They're gonna. I, I mean, I think they're gonna. You know, be right there at the end again. Uh, and that's it. That's the Eastern Conference preview. I'm trying to think of anything that I may have missed. I apologize once again, DC United fans, for picking your team to not do that great. I could totally be wrong with the picks. I could absolutely be wrong. Uh, I, you know, when you look at because all these teams, there's such. A, all these teams are capable of a swing, whether it's the crew. Uh, New England, like I said in my in the segment on New England, if those center backs are legit, then then they're a legitimate team, right? Because and you know they, I, I think that's that's the big question mark for them. So if the center backs are legit, if the defensive midfielders are legit, uh, you know if Cody Cropper steps in and starts for them and actually plays well uh new england has the attack to be a playoff team no question about it uh but yeah i mean just top to bottom it could go any there could be any number of ways there's nothing that's a given i mean for me the only absolute locks are tfc and nycfc they're going to be in the playoffs i don't think there's there's much debate on those uh but everyone else you know things could go wrong things can go go really right uh i mean i think Orlando, even I mean, Orlando City is probably the team that I just look at them. and I say, I just don't see a scenario where I see them being in the playoffs. I just don't, and I could definitely eat my words. You can play this back for me when Orlando makes the playoffs, but I don't see it. I don't see it. It's tough. Atlanta United, they're going to be close, but it, 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 the first half, how the first half goes, what people need to realize, it's tough when you when when you, when you when you're starting out. And when you're starting out with with a team that's uh, there's quite a few players here who've never played in MLS, and there is something to be said for the adapt, the adapting to MLS and adapting to the travel, adapting to the style of play here, uh, the elements you know, when you want to talk about the seasons and playing in heat, playing in hundred degrees in Texas in the summer and all that stuff, uh, it's not going to be easy. So we'll see. But I tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing that team and to seeing the and seeing the the, the fan base there. 50,000 more than 50,000 tickets sold for the opener against the Red Bulls on on uh, on Sunday. That's unbelievable. I mean, not it's not unbelievable, that's that's great. That's incredible. Uh and hopefully that team matches uh, plays as well or plays up to the level of the fan support because it could be it could be really something special there in Atlanta. Uh so yeah, I think that's it. I think we've covered everything the, and and uh and that's it for the first episode uh the first episode back from the hiatus for the sbi show i know it's not the best episode but we need to get back on track we need to get the ball rolling again and i promise things will get sharper things will get cleaner um it's just gonna kind of it's it's like riding a bike right hopefully where you know you kind of eventually get the hang of it again and 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 before you know it you're you're pulling off the tricks and and what have you but uh We have this episode, and then the next episode will be the Western Conference preview uh, with with myself and Paul Tenorio, uh, giving a little bit more of an in-depth look at the Western Conference. No offense to the Eastern Conference. um, I I just needed to get this episode out. I couldn't put it all in one episode. I didn't want to subject everybody to a two-hour comeback episode, although I'm sure certain people would have been okay with that. Um, But, yeah, I wanted to split it up. Eastern Conference and, and the other topics and then the Western Conference and the awards for the other episode. Um, so that, I think that's it. Just to give you kind of a basic idea, I mean, uh, the, the, the plan is to start out one episode a week. Uh, I mean, that's at least the bare minimum. I mean, in, in an ideal world, we do. I would have two episodes a week, uh, have one e- drop on Tuesday, and have one drop on Friday. That's what I'm going to eventually shoot for. It might just be one episode to start, but we'll see how it goes. If you see an episode drop on Tuesday... Uh, of next week, then that's may- maybe that's a sign that, yes, we're actually going to get this going and having and having two episodes a week. I'm going to try to keep them relatively shorter uh, th- than they used to be. And I mean, I know you, we used to be pretty steady around an hour, an hour and change. I want to try to get us down to like 45 minutes uh, just to make it a little easier for people to kind of consume it. I know people – I've heard more people say they want a shorter show, uh, like a half hour I'm sorry, folks. I just talk too much, and if we get a guest, all of a sudden, a half hour looks pretty short. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what we can, we can do, and I definitely plan on getting the guests back into the rotation. If there are people you would like to hear from, whether it's you know certain journalists, or certain players, certain coaches I mean, uh, in MLS, in American soccer that you'd like to hear from, definitely let me know. Uh, give me some ideas, and I will get it going again. I will get the, the guests back in the rotation, um, but it's just good to be back. Uh, doing the show, and, and I want to get a run of shows going together, and hopefully I can get more, more of you guys to come back uh, to listening to the show on a regular basis, and hopefully we can get it back to being the show that you all remember it being, because I, th- I thought we did a pretty good job when we were in our full, our full bloom as a, as a show, so hopefully we can get it back to that, uh, but that's it for now. Uh, definitely check out the the next episode Western Conference Preview and then check us back again next week as we recap everything that happened in MLS week one so that's all for now I'm Ivis Colarse this is the SBI Show